If you have your Bibles, please open to Hebrews chapter 1. We are beginning our Advent season, which we've done every year since I've been here, where we enter into this season of hoping and waiting. So as we begin, I want to kind of get you up to speed on Advent for those that might not have grown up in a tradition where Advent was celebrated, or this might be new to you. I want to help you kind of get into this mode with us. And the first thing I want to talk about is the meaning of Advent. The meaning of Advent, the word means coming. It means longing or expecting or waiting or hoping. Advent is both a remembrance of what has happened in the past and an expectation of what we hoped, of our, of our hope of the future. Advent symbolizes our present situation as God's people as we wait on Christ's return. For 2,000 years, we have been people who are waiting. And just like Old Testament Israel awaited a deliverer in Egypt for 400 years, and just like Israel awaited return from exile to Babylon, and just like they waited for generations for God's promised Messiah, what we do today is we look back remembering Christ's coming. And at the same time, we join with all of God's people now who are waiting for Christ's return and kingdom. Now, that's the meaning of Advent. But there's something also about Advent that I want to point out, and it's the wonder of Advent. The wonder of Advent. Like being drawn to the beauty of a flickering candle. Advent has a way of awakening in us an appreciation for the beauty, the glory the wonder and the mystery of our faith. Like coming home, I was thinking about this just the other night, like coming home late at night from the grocery store with both arms full of sacks and you're dragging your kids behind you and you're tired and all you can think about is sleep and then you happen to look up at the clear night sky and you're pulled out of that moment into looking up at the glory of God, forgetting about all of the tasks and the mundane things that are going on around you, Advent should do the same thing in our lives. It should draw us away from the hustle and the bustle of our, of our culture and remind us to take a deep breath and soak in the glory of God around us and be amazed at what God has done. Advent is a time for us to think about the eternal longings of our hearts and our souls and to find for our heart to find its satisfaction in Christ Jesus. As C.S. Lewis said, if we find in ourselves a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Advent should help us engage in that truth. And then I want to talk to you about the importance of habits. I say this every year because of the importance of it. We do Advent because liturgy is important. Our lives are liturgy. I want you to think about that for a second. Our lives are more than our habits, but never less than our habits. We all live with rituals, with routines, with habits, and traditions and habits and traditions are how we display and live out what is most important to us. Just think about this. We solemnize everything we care about with a certain liturgy. 
whether that be a baby dedication or a baptism to graduation to marriage to funerals. All of those ceremonies and liturgies solemnize what is important to us. And for the Christian, the liturgies of our lives demonstrate the reality of our faith. As we enter into Advent, we are saying to the world around us, this is a visible manifestation of what we believe to be true about Jesus. It's the same when we celebrate communion and when we celebrate baptism together, that we solemnize everything that's important with habits and rituals that make those things dear to us. And that should be the same thing. Our habits and rituals quite literally bring our beliefs to life. I remember my family's Christmas rituals and habits. Putting up the lights after Thanksgiving, destroying my basketball goal. Y'all heard about that story. Um, the preparation, being with my family, reading the Christmas story, candlelight carols, opening one gift on Christmas Eve. All of us should have those kind of habits built into our families that show, us, that show our children what's most important. Our goal during Advent is to help us all put in place habits that are meant to mold our desires and affections towards Jesus. Now, this Advent season, what I want us to do is I want us to look at four simple truths. That's what our Advent theme will be this year, just four simple truths. I'll go through them in just a second. But four truths that should shape our experience of Advent. Here they are. So this is truth one. And I'm going to give these every week so you don't have to write them down. And this is the truth we'll focus on today. So the first truth is this, truth one, God speaks to his people. Advent should remind us of that. God speaks to his people. Second truth, God comes to his people. He comes to his people. He doesn't just speak from afar, but he comes to his people. Third truth, God saves his people. He doesn't simply speak to them or come to them. He saves them. And then finally, God, truth four, God reigns over his people. Now, all of those truths find their fullest expression in the person of Jesus. God speaks to his people through Jesus. God comes to his people through Jesus. God saves his people through Jesus. And God reigns over his people through Jesus. So what we're going to do is each week we're going to take an overarching look of the Bible Tracing each of those themes from the beginning all the way to Bethlehem and into eternity as we long for Christ to come. And so this main, my main text this morning will be Hebrews 1, so I hope you're there. And we're going to look at the truth that God speaks to his people through Jesus. Look at, listen to what Hebrews says, uh, verses 1 through 3. He says, long ago, this is the author of Hebrews, long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, and through whom He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. So this morning, I want to give you seven points that I'm going to cover in about an hour and a half. Right? So here we go. Um, first thing I want you to see about God speaks to his people, how God speaks, and this is it. First, 
God speaks beginning at creation. He literally speaks creation into existence. The very first words of God are recorded in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 3 it says, and God said, let there be light. God's first words in the scriptures are the words of creation. The words of power, words of authority and rule. His voice is so powerful that he speaks all things into being out of nothing. But it's important to note that God speaks. Our God is a God of relationship and a God who speaks. In C.S. Lewis's famous Chronicles of Narnia, the magician's nephew, um, Lewis describes Aslan, who is the lion, Christ figure, singing creation into existence out of the overflow of his eternal joy and happiness. And here's how Lewis describes it. This is a quote from the magician's nephew. He says, in the darkness... Something was happening at last. A voice had begun to sing. It seemed to come from all directions at once. Its lower notes were deep enough to be the voice of the earth herself. There was hardly even a tune, but it was beyond comparison. The most beautiful noise he had ever heard. And then it says, after this, Aslan stands in the center of a circle of all the animals that he had just made. And this is what he says. He says, Narnia, 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 awake, love, think, and speak. Be walking trees, be talking beasts, be divine waters. Our God is a God who speaks he speaks all things into existence. He calls into things the things that were not. God speaks. All of creation He speaks into being. But the second truth is not only does God speak creation into existence, God speaks through His creation. The Bible says that everything in this world is telling us the story of the glory of God. Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. They declare it. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Think about that. It's the picture of the, all of the heavens and earth constantly proclaiming the glory of God. Every star in the sky, every leafy tree, every mountainscape. Every seashore proclaiming the glory of God. God is speaking through His creation. So God speaks creation to, into existence. And even now, He continues to speak in and through His creation to all who will look and listen. And we speak because God speaks. We sing because He sings. The birds have songs because God gave them songs. All of nature rejoices and speaks because our God is one who speaks. Now ask yourself this, why am I drawn to the beauty around me? Why do I find certain things incredibly glorious and beautiful and then other things incredibly hideous and horrifying? Why is that? Why does the sunrise and the sunset, the mountains, the ocean, and the night sky move me beyond the mere material nature of it? Why is it for you guys that spent this last week in the deer stand 
looking at the beauty of creation, and you thought, all of this around me is all enjoyable because it's quiet and because I'm alone and I need to do more deer hunting. It's not because you just need to be alone and do more deer hunting. It's because when you're there, if you'll look and listen, you see the glory of God everywhere. And if you're just quiet enough, you can hear Him speaking. It doesn't mean you need to spend more time deer hunting necessarily. That's not bad. It means you need to spend more time listening for the voice of Jesus. That's what you should take from that. And I'm going this week. So, God speaks. Now listen. All of these things teach us that God is speaking through creation. All of the cosmos reveals God's glory. And it all speaks of His grandness. His greatness and His grandeur. So God speaks creation into existence. God speaks through His creation. Third, God speaks through our consciences. God speaks through our consciences as beings made in His image. When God creates us in the garden and fashions us after His likeness, part of being made in God's image is that we are also speaking and reasoning beings, that we have the capacity to communicate and love and enter into relationships with one another. And God has impressed upon each of us with a nature and a conscience that reflects His nature. God has given all of us a conscience that speaks to us about moral sensibilities and intuitions, right? The Westminster Shorter Catechism, the second question is this, how do we know that there is a God? We use this catechism with my own children. It says, how do we know? It's the second question. How do we know there is a God? And the answer is this, the light of nature in man and the works of God plainly declare that there is a God. The light of nature in man. That's our conscience. So Paul's argument, that's also Paul's argument in Romans 1. He says that God has revealed His invisible attributes and His divine nature to every rational person. The very light of our nature and our reason and our moral intuitions and our civil law, why we long to live under law, reveals that there is a creator, a higher reason and power, and a lawgiver. And according to Paul, that is self-evident in all of us through our conscience, whether you're a believer or not. So if you're in this room and you're a skeptic or you're not a believer at all, I would just say to you, think about this. In your most rational, reasonable moments, your conscience bears witness that there is a God. Your conscience will not let you escape that truth. God speaks in our consciences because He made us in His image and likeness. And that's why we are drawn to truth, goodness, and beauty. Because there is an objective standard of truth, goodness, and beauty found in God Himself. God speaks through our consciences. And then fourthly, God speaks also through our circumstances. Our God is a God who speaks in creation. He speaks um, through His creation. He speaks in our consciences. And He speaks through our circumstances. Going back to C.S. Lewis, my famous author. I'm just harping on him this morning. In his book, The Problem of Pain, he says this. He says, we can ignore even pleasure. We can ignore pleasure. We do it every day. We can ignore pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world. 
We all know that, that when we come face to face with things that are very hard and very difficult, it, it makes us get to the root and the foundation of our faith. It makes us reason these things out. We see this happening. A perfect example of this is Psalm 78. I encourage you to go read it. Um, but in Psalm 78, the, the, the author of that psalm, after discussing how the proud and the arrogant have riches and honor and good health and nothing to worry about, and yet they continually blaspheme God, um, and how he struggles with that. He struggles and sometimes wishes he could trade places with them. He's like, I, I almost walked away from, from God to go be among them. And then, after he wrestles to the bottom of his circumstances, he says this, he says, when, I, when my soul was embittered, and when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and arrogant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. And you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you receive me to glory. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And he says, behold, for those who are far from you will perish. And you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. He says, even in the midst of his circumstances, God speaks to him and draws him to the truth that God is for him and God is his portion. Psalm 119, 71 says, it is good for me that I was afflicted. Think about writing that sentence. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. So God speaks even in our circumstances if you're paying attention. And then for, fifthly, God speaks through his word. God speaks through his word. Now God speaks generally to all of the world through creation, through our consciences, through our circumstances. But God speaks specifically to us through His Word. His Word is His special revelation to His people that reveals His glory and His holiness in a way that creation does not. So what does Hebrews say about this? Look back at our text in Hebrews 1. He says, long ago, notice how God is speaking, long ago at many times and in many ways... We've just discussed the many ways that God has spoken. He says, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So God speaks His Word specifically through His prophets. All through the Old Testament, God sent His people prophets through which He spoke to them and led them and revealed His Word and promises. Many of them pointing to the future hope that we have at Advent of God's coming Messiah. At, uh, Isaiah prophesied and said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And I could list 500 other prophecies that were given of Jesus' coming. God speaks specifically through his prophets, but God also, according to Hebrews, speaks specifically through angels. The angels were messengers sent by God to reveal God's will to his people. And this happens all throughout the Christmas story. And Luke 1 it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, 
Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. God spoke through the prophets. God sent his angels. He even sent an angel to Joseph in the Christmas story who wanted to put away Mary secretly. And he says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. God speaks through the prophets. He speaks through angels. And then God speaks also specifically through his apostles that he gave to his church. Listen to what it says. Listen to what God says and what Peter says in 2 Peter uh, 3, 15 and 16. He says, count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Amen, Peter. You were right. That's what Peter says about Paul's writings. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Notice what Peter says about Paul's writings. He says, yeah, they twist Paul's writings just as they do the rest of the scriptures. So God speaks his word through the inspired authors of the apostles. And God's, great, God's word only has one great purpose. To show us Jesus. To show us Jesus. Jesus says in John 5, he says, You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me. All of the scriptures given, whether it was through the prophets or through the angels or whether it was through the apostles, all point to Jesus. And Jesus says, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Which brings me to my sixth point. God speaks to his people through his word. And then God speaks to his people through Jesus. Because all of God's word points to Jesus. Look at back at Hebrews 1 again. He says, long ago, at many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he also created the world. All of God speaking to us in creation. All of God speaking to us through our consciences. All of God speaking to us through our circumstances and through our word is to point us to one ultimate truth. It is to point us to the truth that God has sent His Son Jesus for us. All of it points to this. Advent and Christmas is about Christ coming to show us, reveal to us, and to speak the truth of who God is to us. Jesus is the full and final revelation of God to us. If you want to know God, look to Jesus. Jesus says... If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Which also means that if you have heard Jesus, you've also heard from the Father. There's no greater, truer, or fuller revelation of God than Christ Jesus. And Jesus speaks to his people. 
That is the great truth we have in the gospel is that Jesus comes for his people and calls them to himself. Jesus says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus is speaking and his sheep hear his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And this is what Jesus is still doing today. He is still speaking calling to people to come to Him as Lord. And my question is, can you hear Him calling? Is Jesus calling you to come to Him by faith to receive Him as Lord? God speaks to His people through Jesus. And then finally, wrap this up. I've done really good, Henry. He said seven points. You'll never be done by 12 o'clock. Really doing well. So, this is the final truth. God speaks through His Spirit about Jesus. When God speaks through His Spirit, the Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us. Jesus says this in John 5. He says, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony he bears about me is true. That's what God's Spirit does. Going back to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, that second question that I quoted earlier, how do we know there is a God? The answer is the light of nature in man and the works of God plainly declares there is a God. But the rest of the answer goes like this. But His Word and Spirit only do effectually reveal Him to us for our salvation. The light of nature in man and the works of God plainly declares there's a God. But only His Word and Spirit can reveal Jesus to us for our salvation. That's what God's Spirit does in our lives. God reveals Himself to us for our salvation by His Spirit working through His Word, revealing Jesus to our hearts. That's how all of us were saved. God's Spirit worked in us as we heard the word of the gospel showing our need of Jesus to our hearts. God's Spirit moves on us and speaks to us as we hear the gospel of Christ and faith is awakened in us and we come to Christ in repentance. That is a work that only God's Spirit can do. And the author of Hebrews says twice, as we go back to Hebrews, says twice in two places, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, there's an urgency to receiving Jesus because you can't control when the Spirit of God comes to speak to you. Jesus says about the Spirit to Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John, he says, he says, the wind blows, the Spirit blows where it wishes. You can't control it. So too is it for everyone who's born of the Spirit of God. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. The truth behind that is that Jesus is still speaking and calling people to Himself. One of the great truths of Advent, as I close, one of the great truths of Advent that Advent should help impress upon our hearts and the hearts of our families is that God speaks. We do not have a God who is distant. We don't have a God who is silent. We don't have a God who is never present, but a God who speaks constantly and consistently who comes into a relationship with his people our entire existence begins with God speaking 
And our entire spiritual existence consists of coming into a relationship with Jesus whereby He fellowships with us day by day as we draw near to Him by His Word, listening to His Spirit. That's the truth. As Christians, we don't believe in a deistic view of God that God God has gone away and He never comes to His people. Advent reminds us that the truth of the Christian faith is that God speaks. And if you're listening, God speaks through creation. He speaks through our consciences. He he shows us. We know when we are doing things that are right or wrong. God speaks to us through our circumstances, whether those be times of joy or sadness. God speaks. But God speaks specifically to us through His Word. And His Word points us to Jesus. And as we study His Word and draw near to His Word, His Spirit works in us, confirming the truth of God, making us more like Christ. God speaks. That is our hope. Now in a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation, but before we do that, I want to remind us as in each year what I do every year about, um, about our church family. Actually, I'll save that to the very end, Henry. But I want to pray for us. We're going to have a time of invitation after I pray. It's very simple. If you don't know Jesus, is He speaking to you today? If so, do not harden your hearts. If you hear His voice, come to Him in repentance and faith. Today, if you're a Christian, and maybe God has convicted you, He's speaking to you right now in your conscience saying, why don't you draw near to me? Why don't you spend time with me? Why don't you you come into my presence casting your cares upon me? Maybe you've been convicted that you need to spend time with our God who speaks. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of ours where we long to hear God's voice each and every week through one another and as we study God's word together. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning that you would draw near to us and be glorified. Father, would you speak right now? We are gathered here to hear your voice. Father, we we cry out, Lord, as Samuel did to Eli, Speak, for your servant is listening. Father, would you speak now as we we sing and as we pray. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.